0: See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when He is revealed, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is, and all who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this is the New Testament reading, the second reading for uh, the third Sunday of Easter. And every time I read this, the, the first thing I want to I do is I want to sing a song. Oh, know what manner of love the Father has given unto us. I, I grew up singing that. Um, and it's funny. There's quite a few songs that I remember singing at camp and VBS and all those things that come out of First John. Uh, but here we have: See what love, the manor, what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. That 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 the love poured out upon us is the love of one who has adopted us, who has taken us, who said, "I want you." That's the love that is poured out. That's declared us as sons and daughters. Before we even know it. That's what happens in baptism for us as Lutherans. God calling us His. God making us His. God calling us as as His children before we even have the ability to say, no, I don't want that. God calling us as His own in in our baptism and doing it each and every day, This, this need to be reminded of that, that we belong to Him. And there's the, that declarative statement that is what we are, and then it, then it goes on, beloved. We are God's children now. That that it's not a, a we have to wait until death, but it's right now that it that it stands as being something true. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. I I love that statement because first it reminds us of the fact that just as Christ was risen from the dead bodily, just as he shows up at the end of the Gospels, risen, alive, our Luke text that we'll hear back here tomorrow is that he he actually eats something to prove to them that he is a living being. And our John text from, from the previous Sunday, he he tells Thomas, put your fingers in, 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 in the wounds of my hands, put put your hand in my side. I am alive. I'm this living physical being and just as he is risen from the dead so shall we be that's one of the truths that we have to own because when death comes (laughs) or when death feels most imminent is when we most feel fear it's when we most feel a lack of faith and so we have to have that in the forefront of our minds at all times to know that as he is, so we shall be, that we will be like him. And I love that we're told that our hope is part of what purifies us, that our hope in him, our trust in him, that the reality that we say, okay, this one who has risen from the dead will also raise us. This one who has forgiven our sins through his death on the cross will continue to do so that our hope and our trust in him is what purifies us. So many of us spend our lives, whether we know it or not, as I said this last Sunday, trying to atone for our own sins, trying trying to make up for our own failings, our own, our own uh, uh, inability to be enough. And here it's, it's being told us that our hope and our faith is what purifies us because we hold on to Christ. And that's what this goes on to say about sin. We think that the next three, the next four verses from verses four through, through seven, that it's about us trying to avoid sin, that, that you know that he was revealed to take away sins and in him there is no sin. That's a good thing, right? That he is revealed to take it away, to remove it from us, and that there is no sin in him even though God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And then it says in verse 6, this is the one that's most troubling to most people. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. This is the one that we twist that we use as a baton to beat each other over the head, that we decide, well, this one's a true Christian and this one's not. This one sinned this way, and so, ooh, they're bad. Bad, bad, bad Christian, you're not really Christian. And this one, oh, this one's perfect, he's great, he's lovely, let's make a statue of him, put him outside the church, yay! And we turn him into some sort of saint. Instead, what it's saying is that the one who finds their life, finds their home in him, who tents within the midst of Christ, anyone who abides abides in him has no sin. Why? Because it's been taken on Christ. All the sins that people want to convict you of, That want to hold you accountable for? Those went on Christ. And yes, you know what? There are temporal punishments for sin. You speed, you're going to get a ticket. You kill somebody, you're going to go to jail. Depending on the state in which you do it in, you might get the death penalty. And those are these temporal punishments, these temporal results of choices that we make in sinning against our brothers or sisters. But here, what is being said, no one who abides in him sins. What that means is that someone comes to you, says to you, you sinned against me. And there's a place for us to go with that, to Christ, to what it is that he has done, to ask for forgiveness of that person, But then to know that that sin has been forgiven in Christ and it's that place that we have to go for both the one who sins and the one who is sinned upon to realize there in the broken body of Christ those sins have been forgiven. Yes, now there is a place that we go for those who live completely in unrepentance, completely in turning away from God, completely in absolute obstinance, not worrying about what it is that they have done and almost getting to the point where they say, I don't care. Those need to be brought under conviction because they're going to continue to harm you, harm me, harm Christ by thumbing their nose at Him. And so they need to be told of their sin. But then they need to be told of their Savior too. The fact that he was crushed for their iniquities. Punished so that we might be made whole. Because then it goes on to say, no one who sins has either seen him or known him. There's this movement for us to not only convict them of that sin, but then also bring them to Christ. That they might have a place to abide so that their sins might be wiped away, as we heard in Acts just a couple of days ago. And that is the place for us not to throw the sinner away but the goal of of first bringing some repentance rebuking but then also forgiving and helping them make their home in christ where their sins might be continually forgiven and they might know him for who he is let us pray holy and righteous god you are the author of life and you adopt us to be your children Fill us with your words of life, that we may live as witnesses to the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you, and we will see you tomorrow as we take a look at our gospel text.